Welcome to Grace in Public, preaching and teaching in the heartland and all around the world. Thank you for joining us today. We have a great program. The subject is resurrection, and it is the hope of a believer. Please enjoy this clip. The topic is life with no beginning and no end. Now, here's what happens. When a Christian gets saved, this is a record that I give unto you, that Jesus Christ, he that had the Son, had life. And he that doesn't have the Son does not have a life, a life with no beginning and a life that has no ending. You take that in over a life that has a beginning but no ending. So if you study John 5, 26, Psalm 90, verse 2, Jesus' life was in himself, and it's from eternity to eternity. So every Christian listening has two kinds of life in them. A temporal life that has a beginning but no ending, and eternal life that has no beginning and no ending. Now the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that they might have abundant life in John 10.10, which has no beginning and no... And by the way, that's why the Christian doesn't have a past, because his new life doesn't have a past. It has no beginning. Boy, that's good. I love that. I think I'll say it again to myself. If you have a life that has no beginning, how can you have a past with a beginning? And you have a life that has no ending. And heaven starts in 2 Corinthians 2.14 with that earnest of Ephesians 1.13 now. And heaven starts with these words, I give unto them eternal life, No beginning, no ending, and no man shall pluck them out of my hand, and my Father is greater than you all, and that is eternal security. And the reason that you can never lose your salvation, Jesus would have never said in Hebrews 13.5, I will never, no, never, no, never leave you nor forsake you. If you could lose your salvation. He would have never said in Matthew 28.20, I go with you even to the end of the world. If there's a possibility you could lose it. He's not going to say that. So here's a Christian that makes the decision. You can operate with all kinds of nervous tension and stress. Well, what is it going to be like when I go to that house? What is it? She's going to call me tomorrow. Oh, I dread that. Oh, I can't handle that. You're dealing with the life that had a beginning with her. So here's the picture. Would you prefer to have a life that has a beginning and no ending until you get to heaven? You're already saved. You've accepted Christ. And not have the peace of God The joy of the Lord is your strength, the fruit of the Spirit. Or would you prefer to have a life that has no beginning and no ending? You'd be shocked at that life that has no beginning and no ending. You won't want to do things that you've been wanting to do lately. 
because you've been wanting to do it. Oh, I've got to take care of that little boy in me. Yeah, that little boy is a sinner. He smells, and you know he does. And that's why he cannot have spiritual cologne. Now, listen. When a person is living an eternal life, it's without the law. And every single thing in it is grace and God's love. And it's without any obligation to morality. But, it's a tremendous, powerful provision of spirituality where faithful is he who calleth you who doesn't. Because you're his son, you're his saint, you're his king, you're his priest. Why wouldn't you want to please him after all that he did for you? In Revelation 1, 5 and 6 and so on. Now, God's life in, in every Christian, when it's eternal life, the life that has no beginning and ending is A, it's always caused to triumph in 2 Corinthians 2.14. B, it has a love that never fails because it has no beginning and ending. Not a single thing can stop it. In 1 Corinthians 13, 8a. See, it makes every man and woman that lives in it more than a conqueror because the devil has already been conquered and so has their flesh been crucified. In Romans 8, 37. D. It makes them steadfast and immovable, always abounding in God's work. And so thanks be unto God, which gives us the victory of our Lord through our Lord Jesus Christ. Be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of God. First Corinthians 15, 57, and 58. So every single Christian that has God's life knows the life that has no beginning in it. He knows that he has been forgiven forever. Ephesians 4.32 Be kind, tender-hearted one to another and forgive one another as God has already forgiven you. And if you want Colossians 3.13 As Christ has forgiven you. So a person with eternal life has a, an overwhelming supernatural peace because his life is not temporal, although he functions in a temporal way. Oh, don't live over here in your marriage and your families in that temporal life. Who's right? Who's wrong? You did it. No, I did it. Don't live over here. Step right in to this gift of eternal life that has no beginning. And glory be to God, no ending. Thank you for tuning in. If you can, don't forget to send a tax-deductible gift to us. 
Your generous donation made to our program promotes this broadcast and ones like it going out on the Internet and broadcast on local stations throughout the United States. So please prayerfully consider what you can give. Find out how to give your donation at www.graceandpublic.com. What a great subject matter. And we, we think about the difference between bios life, life that's biological, and Zoe life, a life that is sourced in God. And all of this is really for us. There would be no possibility of Zoe life if there was no resurrection. And uniquely, Christ is spoken about in the book of Hebrews through Hebrews chapter 5 and all the way going through 8. It talks about his earthly ministry and a unique priesthood. Melchizedek was a priest in the Old Testament, not of the Levitical order. And it is said that Christ's priesthood mirrors that of Melchizedek. And we learn a lot from reading about these scriptures. He's only mentioned at one point in Genesis and then once again in the Psalms. And Melchizedek is a mysterious figure for those who study only the Old Testament. It is through the New Testament that we realize, in a sense, who this man is and who Christ is, and more about his ministry as he's described in the book of Hebrews. We don't know. Some scholars say that Melchizedek really was a pre-incarnate appearance of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's not going to be known. It's one of those questions that will get answers later. <laughs> we hope we, we have that desire. I know I do uh, have that desire that God would answer some of these questions, and I, and I have a great confidence that he will. This is Hebrews chapter 5, starting in verse 6, and I'm going to take a little liberty with the Greek for these passages in Hebrews 5. The, in, the way that they're translated in the King James Version, although it's a very good translation, it gives a different emphasis, and we can look at the Greek words and get great meaning about Christ's unique priesthood and our priesthood as well as New Testament ministers of reconciliation. So starting in verse 6, As he saith also in another place, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, who in the days of his flesh, and that he offered up prayers and olive branches, this next part is literally says in the Greek, with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death, or resurrect him, and was heard by reason of his reverent submission. Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he was engaged in. And being made mature, he became the author of an eternal salvation unto all them that hearken unto him. And here, many have attributed this passage in 7 and 8 to his time in Gethsemane, or on the cross, this strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death. There, we can really see in the context it's talking about his priesthood, he was not, nor in the accounts, did he ever cry for himself, nor did he beg for his own life. But he did cry, 
and no doubt begged for our lives during his earthly ministry. And he was able to minister because he was ministering from this life that had no beginning and no end, the power of an endless life. And that great confidence that he'd be raised, that he would cry out to the one who would resurrect him, that he had no beginning and no end, he was ever existent as the second member of the Trinity, though we make that distinction of who's first, second, and third, but he was a member of the, the Trinity, and therefore he was always a manifestation of this uncreated life. And yet walking as a man, he laid aside those things and walked as we walk, and yet he always ministered from the position of this incredible, what we would call finished work faith of resurrection life. And because of that, in Hebrews 6, he has become this anchor of the soul. In Hebrews 6, verse 19, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil, whither the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus, made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And here is this position that he is our anchor within the veil that links us to heaven and all things eternal. Because he ministered from this position in the days of his flesh, but he also continues to minister from this position now in his heavenly priesthood, in his ministry of intercession that goes on during this age, all through till the end of it, until he returns as a lion of the tribe of Judah, and the kingdom of God will be manifest on the earth in a new age, and will be there as believers will be there to see that, and that is amazing. In Hebrews 7, it's very descriptive of Melchizedek. It's probably the clearest description that we get. Hebrews 7, starting in verse 1. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being by interpretation king of righteousness, and after that also king of Salem, which is king of peace. Without father and without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God, abideth a priest continually. Now consider how great this man was, unto whom even the patriarch Abraham gave the tenth of the spoils. And we see before the law, Abraham before the covenant, this is preceding all of that. This is pre preceding the existence of Israel. Here is this priesthood. And it really points to this eternal priesthood of Christ, this pre-existent life before even creation manifested in time and space. We see this life that has no beginning and no end, and it is the powerful life, a life that we minister from that point of view now. In Hebrews 7, starting verse 16, who is made not after the law of a carnal commandment, but after the power of an endless life, or if the Greek more clearly says it, through the power of an endless life, for he testifies, thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Here we see again. Going to verse 24, But this man, because he continueth ever, hath an unchanging priesthood, where he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. In Hebrews 8, verse 1, 
Now of the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. We have such an high priest who is set at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched and not man. Is Christ in the heavenly, seated at the right hand of the Father, resurrected from the dead. And we are seated there with him, mystically. But this same life, that that life that the Spirit ignited within us at the moment of our salvation, is that same life. It's that same resurrection power in Romans 8:11. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. For Christ is the one in Revelation 1.18 that said, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of hell and death. This is the ministry of our Lord, and this is also our ministry. Our ministry is a ministry of resurrection life. We are not only witnesses of the resurrection on Easter morning as believers. And Easter is that great celebration. But that same power that raised him on Easter lives within us. The Spirit has quickened us and made us alive. And our human spirit is now alive in communion with the Spirit of God himself. And that same ministry that we have, we minister as ministers of reconciliation. And our ministry is powerful. And our prayers are heard. And our steps, when we walk, We take territory for God when we're walking in his spirit and in his call because there's a power within us that is not of us, it is of him. And yet we are born of it and has become part of us. We are made in God's image. And now we also have his likeness because of the resurrection power. And one day it will become apparent. We don't yet know who we are. But one day in a twinkling of an eye we'll be transformed and we'll see him will be like him. And that is the power of resurrection. That is the awesome power that we live in, not only on Easter, but every day of our lives. We'd love to hear from you, so please go to our website and contact us. The web address is www.graceinpublic.com So perhaps you have not received Christ as your Savior. You don't know that God loves you and that there's a powerful life. You see, we see uh, religion and morality and all of these things and tradition and philosophy. And There are many religions and there are many philosophies and there are many claims to spirituality. But this is a true claim. And we know it because of the physical resurrection of Christ. And we know it because the scriptures become alive once our spirit is made alive. Yet, The first step is to receive Christ. And the way to receive him is to pray a prayer, to believe. The prayer doesn't save you, but it's the believing that saves you. You confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, and Christ will save you. He will come into your life and make a change. Pray a prayer with me. Father in heaven, God, I come to you on the basis of what your son has done. He was crucified in innocence buried in my place and rose again by your power, by your spirit. And I pray that you would come into my life, you would transform me, you would save me. But that same spirit that was in him, in me, 
I pray not, come not on the basis of merit, but on the basis of what he's done. And I am believing now and asking you and praying this prayer, Father, in Jesus' name. 